Welcome to Our Global Campus, Engage the World Through Illinois podcast series, a product of the International Programs Team within the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences at the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign. This podcast features the international and intercultural experiences of students and professionals who dare to explore life on the other side of their cultural assumptions. Each episode unpacks the complexities that often attend the journey of finding one's place in the world. Six countries and three education systems later, third culture kid, Katrina Robez, shares her diverse experiences growing up as a Lebanese American in the Middle East. In this episode, she describes how her double major in psychology and global studies enables her to pursue research at the intersection of cultural identity and mental disorders. She also discusses how she uses her lived experiences in the Middle East to counter misrepresentations portrayed by the media. Illustrating what it looks like to navigate worlds while living in a state of in-between, Katrina Rabez tells it all here. Well, welcome back, our Global Campus podcast listeners. Today we are joined with Katrina Rabez, an LAS senior graduating actually in what, just a few weeks, double major in psychology and global studies. So great to have you on the show today. How are you feeling, Katrina? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on today. It is our pleasure. And we have a lot of ground to cover today because as our listeners will soon hear, you have some very interesting experience to share, experiences to share with us today. I'm looking forward to it. So Katrina, you are what they would define as a third culture kid. For that listener that's like, what does that even mean? <laughs> right? How would you define a third culture kid in your own words? Yes. So a third culture kid, in my own words, is someone who was raised in a culture other than their parents or their culture of their country of nationality. So that's the simple definition of it. And how do you find yourself fitting in within that definition? Yeah. So um, I was born in Lebanon. And so my father is Lebanese, but my mother is American. And although I was born there, I had never lived there more than a year. And so after that, I moved from one country to the next. Um, a total of six countries, actually, before moving to the United States to begin my college career. Okay. And, you know, we had a chat a few weeks back, and I learned that you really had the amazing opportunity of traversing six different countries, cultures, and three different education systems. Can you go ahead and identify those countries and education systems, as well as you know, define for us what that meant for you as a child growing up within all these different regions. Yeah, of course. So, so as I said, I was born in Lebanon, but right after that, I moved to Syria where I began my first schooling in a French system. And so that was very interesting for me because English was my first language. And although I had spoken French and Arabic a bit in the house, I never was formally educated in that, and I guess this was my first year, so why would I be? So that was, I would say, a, a harsh transition because 
the teachers were very strict and very French. And so they really expected me to have a higher level of speaking and writing in French as the other kids had. So that was a bit of an adjustment for me. But I continued on in the French system, even when I moved to the United Arab Emirates, Dubai specifically, where I continued in the French system for a year before we moved again to Hrin, which is a small island off the coast of Saudi Arabia. And so I continued in French school for a few years there before my parents decided that it was time for me to go into an English system so that I could improve my grammar, my writing skills in that sense. And so I was more formally educated in that. And so because the schools were just limited in the resources and just there were, of course, there were different systems, but the best system in Bahrain at the time was the British school. So I moved to a British school system, which was very different with the lingo and the uh, different words that they used. And so I had a few instances where I would use a word that was typically American, but it would come off as something that really makes sense to the British uh, um, teachers. So that was definitely an experience. And so I continued in the British school system for the entirety of my stay in Bahrain, which was a total of six years. And then I moved to Kuwait right after that, which in that case, the American school was the best option for us. So I moved into the American school system for the total of two years. And that definitely felt like a switch from being super strict and more formal to a system that was a bit more relaxed and more at ease. And I definitely met a few more people that had sort of similar identities to my own, where they were Lebanese, but had moved around to different places or were American, but also had moved around and were third culture kids. So that was a very enjoyable experience. I did love going back to the American school system. And finally, I moved to Saudi Arabia after those two years and weeks were done. And I entered the American school system as well. So it was an easy transition in the sense of schooling and all that. So, yeah. Wow, a trip <laughs> around six different countries, three education systems, and now you are here. Are you out of yep. breath? <laughs> that's, that's incredible. That's incredible. But it makes me wonder how you answer the question, where are you from? Which I'm sure you get a lot because you, you've traveled to a number of different regions. How do you answer that question? Yeah, this is a, a really funny question. It's whenever I get it, I immediately start laughing or start <laughs> giving off a smile. And people who know me when they're around uh, me and someone new comes and meets me and asks me where I'm from, they laugh to themselves as well because they know how elaborate of an answer it's going to be. So I typically have two versions of this question prepared. So I have the abbreviated version where I just say that I'm American Lebanese, which Typically then, if people are interested in getting to know what that means, they would ask more questions, which would then lead me to my longer answer of saying that, well, I lived in six different countries before moving to the United States for college, and I was born in Lebanon, but my mother's American, my father's Lebanese, and so I kind of would go on to this whole big spiel of where I'm from, and if they're not bored by then, <laughs> I would go on and explain to different countries. And how do people typically respond when you give the longer version of that answer? I've been met with a bunch of different kinds of responses. Mainly it's confusion. Other times it's, I guess, fascination with it and just wanting to know more about what that means. Other people times, probably are like, can I have your life? Because that was my <laughs> response. Can we, can we trade places? Can we go back in time and just do this again? The great exchange. 
Right, and that's funny because I always wanted your life, I guess, or the life of just having lived in one place my entire life before actually moving to the United States before I realized that I'm very happy with the life that I led and I'm glad that I was able to move around and experience all those different cultures before moving to the United States. So You're currently based in the United States, right? Right. How do you reconcile the way that the media oftentimes portrays the Middle East here and, and globally with your personal experience of that region? Yeah, so this has definitely been a a point of contention when discussing this with new people I meet, especially in the United States. I never really faced this issue when I lived in the Middle East because, of course, everyone knew what it was like in the Middle East. Everyone had their proper portrayals of what life was like there, and I had many Arab friends who I was able to openly discuss this with. But moving to the United States, I definitely experienced a few microaggressions regarding my Middle Eastern identity and just Arabic as a language as a whole. I even had an experience where I was in a global studies class during my freshman year and someone came up to me and said, oh, I wish I could speak Arabic so that I could communicate with terrorists. And I was taken aback by that statement because I just could not believe that someone would say something like that about just a whole culture and a whole community of people. And to have it be portrayed like that in the media and in prominent movies was really disturbing and sad. So I've definitely had to do some re-education with a few people that I've met. And so I'm happy that I was able to give those representations to people and give and shine a new light on the countries that I've lived in. But it's not to say that I also didn't have negative opinions. Like for example, when I was first told that I was gonna move to Saudi Arabia, I was definitely very uh, cautious and, and unsure of what that experience would hold. But but when I did move there, I began to understand the common misrepresentation of that the media sources would have when representing the uh, Middle East and North Africa region, and how a lot of the times we would see women being oppressed and negative articles and images. But however, once I actually went to live there, I perceived this identity suppression as more of like a comfort because I could rely on just not having to dress up as much. It was something like a joke that we would make among friends when we had to wear the abaya, which was the black robe. So it was nice that we could just take comfort in being with each other and really understanding the culture for what it was and not what the media represented it to be. That's wonderful. Even growing up in the Middle East, you found yourself shifting your own biases and perspectives of the region that you were living in, but you had a certain idea or notion of because of the media that you were influenced by. Exactly, exactly. I'm assuming you probably get quite the range when you share your personal experiences, but if you can share with us just a little bit, how do people typically react when you start to try to bring some more, I guess, balance to this conversation about women in the Middle East or the Middle East in general? Yeah, I think people are always very open to hearing what I have to say about it, because as a Middle Eastern woman, and as someone who's lived there for my entire life, people, I think, trust what I have to say about it and are, I guess, pleasantly surprised to hear that it's not what it's like in the media. And a lot of the times I've also even watched war movies and how a lot of the times in these movies, it's from the perspective of the American veterans and they're going into the Middle East and trying to save the oppressed people, but it's never, the story's never showing what the Middle Eastern people are experiencing. And a lot of the times it's just kind of, they're painted as the same sort of barbaric kind of community that don't communicate with each other don't have a language they kind of just yell and scream and stuff like that so definitely that those have been a bit harder because a lot of these movies are enjoyed by a lot of people so it's been 
interesting just sitting down with people and telling them like what is wrong with this portrayal and what is wrong with the way that it's shown on the screen. It's wonderful that you get to have that opportunity to have those conversations. Conversations where people are open to hearing different yes. perspective, your perspective, and be able to just be met with a different experience than what they've seen before in the past. Right. Yeah, it's nice that people have been open to it and I have not been met with uh, much people going against me or anything like that. My next question, in what ways did these diverse cultural environments shape or inform your perception of self and how you approach your studies being a global studies major? Yeah, so it's funny. I initially went into college uh, knowing that I wanted to be a psychology major. That was my dream since eighth grade. I knew that that was something that I wanted to pursue. But it was actually the summer before my freshman year that I found the global studies major and I was looking more into it and I immediately emailed my advisor before I had even met him and asked if I could double major in this because it was just such a fascinating and interdisciplinary uh, major that allowed me to take classes on topics that I knew were important to me, especially given my background. I didn't want to lose that cultural aspect and get too bogged down by the scientific aspects of psychology or anything like that. So I definitely wanted to keep that culture aspect alive in my studies and I found and when I was told that I could do it I immediately added that onto my major and that even allowed me to minor in French because there was a language component to it there was even a study abroad component that let me leave Illinois for a bit and experience a whole other culture and so it was definitely something that was super important for me to keep going forward with and ever since I've done that I've integrated my psychology degree with global studies by adding cultural aspects to the way that we study psychology and human behavior, because a lot of the times it's been heavily biased towards white men. And so it's important to have like a culturally diverse perspective when studying psychological disorders, even measurements for these disorders and so on. How do you feel as though your diverse experiences have impacted the way you consume knowledge and the way that you share knowledge with others, as well as the work that you want to do in the future? Yeah, of course. So I have been going back and forth between what I really wanted to do with my psychology and global studies degree. And I, for a long time, thought that I wanted to be a diplomat, which still could happen in the future. But right now, I feel as though it would be best if I went down sort of the academia route, because I think that I could really bring that diverse and cultural aspect to what I want to study, which is looking at serious mental health disorders like schizophrenia uh, spectrum disorders and seeing how culture and racial backgrounds and ethnicity plays a role in the way that we measure this disorder, as well as the way that we conceptualize the disorder as a whole, because in the past, it's been heavily biased towards people from non-marginalized communities and people who were the majority in those spaces that locked other people away from them. So, yeah. That's great. That's great. Becky, you're pretty much going to be carrying your experiences, carrying your stories into work that's meaningful to you because you've lived it and, you, and you've seen a certain perspective of it that you would like to see changed. Right, right. And I definitely want to bring a shine a light on third culture kids as a whole, because I feel as though that's not a very known identity group. And I didn't even find out about it until my junior year of high school. So I'm wondering about all the other people who may have this identity, but aren't really aware of it. And because we're reaching a more globalized world, I think that this identity is going to become much more prevalent in the future. And so it's going to be important to see how third culture kids really view the world and how they adapt and form attachments and so on. 
Since you highlighted just in that moment, your, your third culture identity, if the way that you currently view your identity was a picture, what would that picture look like? Yeah, so that's interesting. I think it would obviously have to include a globe. <laughs> I think that the center of the picture would probably be a globe. And it might also just look like one of those pictures that you see around schools where there are those children or people standing around the globe and they're all holding hands and it's people from all different nationalities. Because I think I really view my life as just having met some really interesting and important people in my life. And even if they hadn't stuck around in my life, I think just meeting them to begin with was super important. And seeing home and people is really what I've grown to understand about myself and about what home means to me. So the globe for the global aspect of my life, and then the people standing around for all the experiences and opportunities that I've just been able to have with all the, all the people around the world. That's a beautiful depiction. I actually can visualize it. You described it so well. Well, I'm glad. I remember you saying when we talked previously that even though you grew up, you know, primarily in the Middle East, you went to international schools through three different education systems. So you were exposed to people who live literally all around the world. You really got a chance to be immersed in diverse community growing up within the Middle East. Yes. Yes, it's, I've always been surrounded, I'd say, by third culture kids and people who are like me. So definitely, I think the biggest culture shock was moving to the United States and not being surrounded by those kinds of people. And how did you navigate that? Right. So going from such rich, diverse community to, you know, experiencing diversity to some level, but not to that extent. Was that right. a shock <laughs> on your senses? How did you, yeah. how did you respond to that? Yeah, definitely it was a big shock to my senses, but I sort of did what I always do whenever I move to a new environment that I'm not familiar with. I would just immerse myself in new activities, organizations, just things that would help distract me from experiencing that culture shock and thinking too deeply about what I'm going through with these different identities that I had never experienced before. Um, and so I really just sought out organizations and clubs that had people who were interested in the same things that I was. So for example, I joined Model UN, student government. I even joined committees around campus that focus on issues like the counseling center or sexual misconduct. And so this was just a great way to surround myself by, with people who I knew I could get along with, that I knew were passionate about the same things that I was, even though they didn't have the exact same identity or experiences that I did. Especially after you've had this experience of living internationally for most of your life, what made you decide to pursue your college education in America and more specifically at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign? Yeah, so I do get this question a lot, as much as I get the where am I from question. And it's funny because I knew that I was going to go to the, to the United States to um, pursue uh, a degree. And so it was really a matter of like where I was going to go. And I didn't really have a specific place in mind that I was focused on. So I kind of just applied all over the United States to programs that I really liked, and especially psychology programs, because that was my focus. And so in the end, it turned out that Illinois had the psychology program that I liked the most. And it's actually perfect the way that it turned out, because I got to work with a professor in psychology who was fantastic and was a wonderful mentor and is really helping me decide on what I want to do in the future. So it really did work out for the best. And I really love the psychology program here because it also has a community focus besides just focusing on clinical psychology. And if you could highlight three 
specific experiences that you had here while you were a student because you're you're about you know you're about to walk out that door in just a few minutes right. <laughs> right if you could highlight three experiences that really impacted you here at the university what experiences would you identify of course yeah Wow, it's hard to just choose three because there have just been so many fantastic experiences. But so the first one would definitely have to be my research experience with Dr. Quapple, who works in a schizophrenia and bipolar disorder lab. And it has just been super integral to my development as a student and as a hopefully future clinical psychologist, because Without it, I would have never even considered academia as a possibility, but I want to do it. Just meeting some of the grad students as well and some of the other students in the lab has been so eye-opening to what this career could hold and has been really helpful for carving out my future career path. So that's number one. Second would probably have to be my study abroad experience, which I know is not technically in Illinois, but without Illinois, I would not have been able to do it. And that's where I went to Vienna. Austria as part of a diplomatic program that's hosted through the university. And so that has been super integral. And I was able to do some research there as well and just explore more of my global studies interests and international relations aspect of my degree. So that was great. And I also got to pick up German a bit. So hopefully we'll continue working on that. And then my third experience would have to be... Trouble, please. It's really difficult to choose one, but can I just say the organizations that I've been a part of? Just sure. all of those. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the amalgamation of organizations that I've joined throughout the years and the one that I've been involved the longest was student government. And that was really a place where I could develop my communication skills and just leadership abilities. And I was able to meet some of my closest friends from that organization. So definitely those places were where I felt like I could do something on campus and try to make a difference in some sort of way. You mentioned that it was your interaction with a professor here on campus that grew your interest in academia. For that student that may be asking, how do I know if academia is for me? Because there's so much self-doubt that gets in the way and is this something that I should really pursue? How, how did you answer that question? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So it really just some soul searching and, and thinking deeply about what you wanted to do in the future because it's not an easy thing to go into and it definitely does take a lot of time and dedication and just sometimes sacrifice of other things that you could be doing instead and although I'm not even in academia so I don't even uh, know exactly what I'm talking about right now but from what I've heard it's definitely something that you need to know for sure that you love research and that you want to do research because that's the basis for a PhD and without that it's so easy to get burnt out and so easy to just realize, what am I doing? Why am I here? And it's difficult for people who may not see pictures of themselves in academia. Or even now, it's very difficult for people from marginalized communities and people from different identities to get into the space because they don't see people like themselves in it. So it's important to have strong mentors who will encourage you to do these things and to push you past your limits to really think about what you want to do in the future and what's best for yourself. So just having surrounding yourself with people who will motivate you and support you and also just not being afraid to really take that step and to communicate with professors and people that you may look up to within like the academic setting. And Katrina, I also get the idea that you have a strong sense of what you want to contribute to academia. So I imagine that that could be part of the answer to feeling as though 
even though you may you don't have all the answers right now, but through research and through using the tools that you've gained in school, you have a feeling that there is something that you want to and can contribute to a particular field. Yes, I really do hope that I can do something along those lines to the clinical psychology field as a whole and just seeing how that works out and seeing whether that can really make a contribution to the literature and to future research in the way that we conceptualize disorders and, and ethnicity and racial backgrounds in measurements for these disorders as well. What advice would you offer a fellow third culture kid or anyone for that matter who knows what it feels like to not be rooted in a particular place and also the feeling of being in that in-between state? Yeah, so I definitely would first say that to not view these experiences that you have as static because the places and people you meet are constantly contributing to your growth and development as a person. And you often carry these memories with you throughout time and they'll go along with you for who knows how long. So just making sure that you see these experiences as something that are constantly evolving and going beyond what you may be experiencing now. Another thing is just always keeping in contact with friends and mentors that you meet along the way. Because as a third culture kid, someone who's probably had to move more than other people, it's been sort of on me to keep in touch with others and to make sure that I'm not losing people along the way. Because a lot of people might not think that they have to like constantly be texting someone or, or keeping up with them or video chatting them. And I know now it's super easy to do that with this new technology that we have. So just making sure that I'm always keeping up, even if it's just every few months or every few years, it's super important to just keep those people close because that's what keeps me grounded personally. And then even if those friends and places aren't permanent, they can still be meaningful. And it's important to just keep that in mind that nothing nothing is permanent. So it's just about what you take away from those experiences that you have. And then also just being just embracing those changes that you experience and being open-minded to the new cultures and people that you will meet. Even Illinois, I think it has a great culture. I love the cornfields and I love the way that the Midwest is. I've never experienced it before. So just taking those little things and carrying them with you throughout your time and just being open to those adventures and knowing that even though your life may be in between, that just means that there's more space to go around and not being stuck in one place. So That's great. Triple C. Continue to cultivate <laughs> connection. Yes, I love that. <laughs> Continue to cultivate connection. Yeah. yeah, and I love that you said that, you know, um, you're not thinking of life as stagnant or your experiences as static, they move with you and that there's still, like, even as you traverse these different spaces, it, it's an open space. So that means there is that much more room to grow and develop and evolve. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Katrina, guess what? What? <laughs> we have now arrived at the lightning round segment Exciting. of this podcast okay. episode. And right. I think you know the rules. I'm going to begin a statement and you're going to quickly complete it. And I have no idea what you're going to share, which makes this so fun and exciting. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> My favorite childhood memory is jumping on the trampoline with friends from the neighborhood in Bahrain. A place that I often revisit in my mind is my grandmother's apartment in Beirut, Lebanon. As a result of growing up in six different cultures, I now see the world as an adventure. A phrase in Arabic that makes me smile is 
Tu'ber albi, which means you'll bury my heart, which is a term of endearment. To me, home means? So for me, home has no concrete definition, whereas a house is just merely a piece of concrete by definition. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Katrina. Thank you so much for having me on. This was fantastic, and I loved every second of it. Oh, wonderful. Well, you literally took us on a trip around the world by telling us your story and also giving us some important truths to think on when we think about representation and identity and home. I'm so grateful to have been able to share my story. So thank you. Wonderful. Thank you for joining our podcast today. Remember to subscribe and tune in each month as we elevate diverse voices and experiences across our global campus.